and go. Start. Record. Pretty sure you already did. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. That's all. That's oh, all. Is it rolling? That's all on camera. We're camera? back. Camera? Yep. We're not on camera. You don't, well, you don't know that you're on camera. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> there are no cameras here. Maybe one day. See. Maybe one day. We'll actually record it and then people can see our faces. Like Joe Rogan. Yeah. That, that would be beautiful, right? Podcast that you basically are just listening to, <laughs> right? Exactly. All right. So for now, no cameras. No theoretically, cameras. theoretically, no cameras. What are we talking about? Aerobic capacity. Aerocap. Aerocap. <laughs> in the short parlance. Yes. So this is actually an interesting thing. So we're gonna in many ways expand on what we've talked about in the last two episodes, which was the individual design progress and sort of, or a process. Ooh, it, is a pro- I guess you, it is progressive, but the process of that. Uh, and certainly for most people, if not, you know, nearly everyone doing some kind of capacity training at some point falls into that. So it's a nice segue. Uh, so why don't we begin with our chat about programming for aerobic capacity by maybe clarifying what aerobic capacity is. Maybe Rye can hit us with the official definition of aerobic capacity. Um, well, it's, it's exactly what it sounds. So it's something that is aerobic, so something that is sustainable, um, and then the process of improving that. So the opposite of anaerobic, so that means with oxygen, Aerobic is with oxygen, anaerobic is without oxygen. Um, so it's a state where your body is doing something very sustainable and you have a lot of oxygen in your system and that's how your body is producing energy. So instead of other processes of producing energy, it's using primarily oxygen to make you go. Um, so there's a lot of different forms of that and which I'm sure we'll kind of dive into here in a second, but um it is kind of building the the gas tank and making that gas tank bigger for the engine to run um to go longer to go shorter to do go faster to do whatever whatever that may entail yeah i think that's perfect especially that last part i think that's a good sort of layman's working definition is just the broad ability to do something sustainably for long periods of time. And so obviously we'll talk about what that looks like, but generally that's what we mean when we're talking about aerobic capacity is the ability to have big batteries that last a long time and to be able to recharge those batteries uh, very efficiently to continue doing something. So second question, uh, and maybe we'll turn this over to Amanda, is why you know, would we want to include this into someone's program design? So obviously there are several reasons. Why don't you touch on a couple kind of in your view? Uh, So for several of my clients specifically, they all have children. Um, And so being able to go out and spend time with their kids outside, especially now while it's nice, uh, is important to them. Kids don't just go outside and play for like five minutes and say, okay, I'm done. Like they want to run around, they want to play games, they want to go play hide and seek or whatever the case may be. So being able to do that and not feel like you're out of breath is is important. 
um, to people so we can translate that to our training in the gym uh, to allow you to be able to increase your capacity. Yeah, I think that would fall under the broad general definition of balanced general fitness, right? So that would be training in the gym so that you can engage in what we would probably call normal daily activity outside of the gym. So not super, super high level um, in the sense that it doesn't take a ton to be able to get to that point. Um, and certainly that falls into the, the broad category of something that most people would want to have. Uh, so I think for you that it goes a little bit more towards the performance and for some of your marathon runners. Yeah. So I think that's the, obviously that would come away from necessarily looking for general fitness. So you can enter capacity for a variety of reasons. That's certainly one of them. Um, another one would be, you know, for a specific goal or the specific function of a client. So if you have somebody whose outward goal is to train to run a fast 5K, then aerobic capacity training is going to make up a big part of their design because that is effectively what they're ultimately going to test. And so this is something that we get into in the initial conversations with people is what, what they're at the gym to do. What is their function? And so certainly if their function includes competitive basically aerobic or endurance sports, then their design is going to reflect that for sure. So what are some other things that you can use aerobic capacity for, Rye? Um, it can help you a lot with recovering. So whether that be um, on like an active recovery day, just moving blood um, or being having a strong aerobic system will help you um, in the rest of the things that you do in the gym. So whether that's lifting weights, recovering, from that or uh, intraset or between days um, or it can also be used for kind of like you were saying general fitness or general not preparedness but life um, you know some people may not have kids so they can't really relate to that but um, you know going for a hike going for a bike ride on a nice day walking your dog all still considered aerobic activities to some extent. Um, so I think really you could, in theory, probably push it into, you could make a lot of arguments for it to be helpful for almost anything. Yeah, I think it broadly, it applies to just about everybody. There are a couple exceptions, um, but even if you were looking at the aesthetic perspective of changing body composition, if you have somebody who's on a fat loss diet and say they're doing hypertrophy training with regard to resistance, it often makes sense to add some, you know, what they would broadly term like cardio work, but what we would sort of term aerobic capacity work in with that, partially because it can help with recovery. If you program it right, it can be done concurrently with weight training, but also increases your caloric expenditure. So if we start to get down into somebody who really wants to lean out, and we know that that is basically an equation of expending more energy ultimately than you're taking in uh, aerobic capacity work can help with that um, we, obviously we have to be careful with how we program it um, but broadly that that can be an effective tool interestingly it's uh, debatable a lot of times people get fall into the trap of using that kind of work uh, with that outward purpose and i think realistically 
the the best possible design is to have it work in conjunction with weight training. So I don't know that someone who's looking to lose weight should just do purely aerobic training, um, but certainly it, it plays a big role within that. So why don't we uh, segue from there, kind of reasons, because I think we, we hammered that in pretty well. Um, they can be specific or they can be general based on the person's goals, but why don't we talk a little bit about how you would program this into someone's week. So Rai, why don't you take it away versus, like if we look at what we would kind of broadly term sustain only versus gain plus sustain, and maybe take a second to explain what in the world that means. Um, so the difference between gain and sustain is exactly what it sounds like. So sustain is aerobic capacity work because it's extremely sustainable. Gain is going to be resistance training because you're quote unquote making gains if you want to look at it that way. Um, but it, we have two different kind of scenarios. So one, if you're doing gain and sustain work, um, you would likely do your gain stuff. So your resistance training and then um, an aerobic capacity piece after that. So whether that be a 15, 20, 30 minute piece after your resistance training, that may be, um, you know, two, three times a week, maybe more, maybe less, depending on the client's goals and, you know, what they like to do. So if you have someone who really likes aerobic training, then you maybe add it in a little more. Um, whereas if you are someone who is on a straight sustained path, so every, all of your workouts are aerobic based with pretty minimal, minimal, um, resistance training, then you would probably have more of a long-term, uh, approach. So you would start very, very slow and sustainable, um, with very long intervals. And then as time went on, you would slowly, slowly, slowly get faster, um, with shorter intervals to develop a really robust aerobic system, but that's going to take more than probably two years to, if you do it right. So kind of depends on where you're at. Um, but for the most part, it's probably going to be in that 20 minute plus range in terms of work, um, all very sustainable and repeatable. Yeah, I think a lot of times if you're doing it concurrently, so if you're doing uh, both gain and sustain in one session or in one day, certainly in one day, you could space them out a little bit. And that's probably the optimal if someone's schedule allows for that. But what we'd look at is doing sort of a couple resistance pieces. So like an A and a B or an A1, A2, B1, B2, and then uh, kind of C, so to speak, the third piece would be aerobic capacity training. So uh, this kind of brings us into another element of what actually that looks like. So we've talked about it broadly. We've talked about like why you would want to do it. And I think that's relatively obvious. And we talk about, again, how you would fit it into a program design. I think that's pretty straightforward as well. But then it becomes a question of what does actual aerobic capacity training look like? And so I think we can break it into two main categories of what we could term cyclical and what we could term mixed modal. So cyclical is where you use basically cyclical machines. So a recumbent bike, rower, uh, an assault bike or an echo bike, something like that, a skier, Running. things that, yeah, you could run things that where you're doing the same movement pattern cyclically over and over and over and over. Um, and so we'll talk about our preferences with that. So mixed modal, on the other hand, would be uh, C2 bike, kettlebell swing, pull up, 
uh, things that you can do basically in a circuit. You could think of it broadly as a circuit. You could have a circuit of machines too, uh, but where you're doing a couple of different movement patterns, some of which may be resistance training. So why don't we go back to Amanda? Um, given those two things, what, what are your preferences, both in terms of programming for people? And then what do you like to do yourself when you're doing aerobic capacity training? Uh, for myself, I would say I like a little bit more mixed modal, mainly because I'm not the greatest when it comes to aerobic capacity. So if you put me on more than one machine, it's not going to be a great time for me. Um, whereas for a good majority of my clients, they uh, are all cyclical. They all are rotating through multiple multiple machines or focusing on one at a time um some because of their expressed goal like they want to do a marathon so they want to run a race or they want to be able to bike um and so it's really again it, it goes back to what are their ultimate goals and and how best to help assist them in what their their ultimate end game is what about you, Ray? Um, same and opposite a little bit. Um, <laughs> for me, both, I would say cyclical. Um, I like cyclical things, doing them myself, just because it's, um, you can not necessarily like turn off, but you can kind of just like put yourself in that zone. You don't have to worry about, you know, running over to your kettlebell and then, you know, going back to do your pull-ups and then, and then like, oh, I have to get chalk and then, nah. So... <laughs> otherwise you can just hop on a rower and you know put in some work for however long at a time um and it's it's a great way to make sure you are being sustainable so you can watch your pace the whole time on your screen and that's another reason why i think it's great for clients as well is because a lot of people especially in the beginning aren't entirely sure how to pace or what their pacing is or if they're being sustainable or not and that you can't really lie about what the numbers say so you have a great idea of um what your intervals look like and it's a lot easier for people in the beginning uh to be doing cyclical activities for that reason and frankly uh clients should not be doing mixed modal aerobic capacity if it's if they're like very early in their um fitness career so if their training age is super low they shouldn't be doing mixed modal aerobic capacity they should only be doing cyclical stuff yeah i think that's a trap that coaches can fall in sometimes is they want to show everybody how smart they are and so they'll program these really really complex chipper style like workouts that number one you can't actually measure in terms of repeatability and we'll kind of get into evaluation in a little bit but number two that really are kind of beyond that particular client's ability um, so there's there's no way to evaluate it, and they're not necessarily getting the best out of it. So I, too, like to focus on when I'm doing an aerobic capacity training, I tend to do cyclical only work, uh, partially because I, I like it. I like the intraset and interset repeatability measurement ability of it. But I also, quite frankly, um, and it's, a, it's a just simply a goal of mine, I don't want aerobic capacity training to interfere in a negative way with recovery from resistance training. So this is another thing you, you look at from a coaching perspective is you need to give people recovery time from certain movement patterns. And so if you're, they squat and hinge heavily 
on Monday, and then they're going to do aerobic capacity work on Tuesday. And their aerobic capacity work is goblet squats, C2 bike with the damper set at 10, and, um, you know, double kettlebell swings. Like you just smoke them with the same stuff they did the previous day. Like you, you're not a good programmer, basically, because um, you don't, you're not giving them recovery time. So I like to do that myself uh, and tend to like to do that with people for that exact reason. It's not supposed to interfere with other things. I think the mixed modal element is nice because it does add variety. So while we're not necessarily programming to entertain people, obviously we want people to, to be excited to come in and hit a workout. And sometimes that does involve like flipping the script a little bit and giving them some variety in terms of movement. So that's something for that's, it goes back to those conversations that you have with a client and figure out sort of what makes them tick in, in what they're interested in. But I think the big thing when you're choosing methods is it needs to align with the rest of the week. If it interferes with the rest of the week, then you're, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. So why don't we talk a little bit about how, from a coaching perspective, we're evaluating whether someone's getting the intended stimulus. And maybe we can talk about, I think a lot of people listening to this have maybe a background in CrossFit, and certainly we do too, uh, the difference between uh, what people's perception often is of aerobic training and what we're actually looking for, because I think they're two very, very different things on average. I think that kind of goes back to, for me specifically, like why I enjoy the mixed modal um, is because that CrossFit is my background in fitness. That was how I was introduced to the fitness world. Um, so I am able to sustain my capacity in a mixed modal setting, whereas it is very difficult for me to be on a rower and just be consistent with whatever sort of intervals I have. Um, so that is a weak point for me. And at some point that may transition my training to be more focused on that and learn how to be more sustainable in that. Um, but I think that that, you know, for me is a good reason why I like to push my clients in that way uh, to be more sustainable with cyclical things, because that's something that I know that I struggle with. And if they work on it now, very early in their careers, in their training careers, that it will be easier for them later on. Yeah, I um, think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, I don't necessarily know if like, I agree with the variety part, but I think also, like, if you have to have variety constantly, then there's something inherent, you know, then you're maybe not in the gym for the for the right reasons. But with that being said, I think everyone, the majority of people like doing mixed modal activities. Um, but the kind of misconception commonly is that it should be, like, when you're done with aerobic training, you're, you're floored, right? You're just, you can't you're done. You know what I mean? You're cooked laying on the floor, you know, rolling around, you kick your shoes off and walk around in your bare feet afterwards on the gym floor. <laughs> I'll never understand why people yeah. do that. Like, why, do, why are you taking your shoes off? Like, what's wrong with you? Uh, right. <laughs> My feet have never hurt. No. So, um, that isn't, that isn't aerobic capacity. So, what it should look like is you should get done with your last interval or last minute or whatever that's going to look like. And you, you know, take a drink of water and you're like, all right, sweet. 
see you guys tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow. Like I'm going to go enjoy the rest of my day. So you should, you know, obviously you may be sweating, um, but you shouldn't be like gassed rolling on the floor. So if that's the case and you're not actually improving your aerobic system, you're doing other anaerobic activities, which I'm sure we'll talk about on a different podcast or different episode. Um, but it should be very, very sustainable. So you should be able to do it for a long period of time. Um, and kind of depending on your interval length, the may it gives you a gauge on how long you should in theory be able to sustain that. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest misconception is that you're, you're, floored after you get done which it should be the complete opposite you should feel energized and you should feel good and uh kind of ready to just go about the rest of your day yeah i think the unfortunate thing people especially with that background tend to equate feeling badly with workout efficacy and that's if you really take a step back and look at things objectively that is like completely absurd uh so you feeling sick and being like, you know, in a state where you can't talk to people, like a lack, what we would kind of term is like, you're taking a lactic acid bath. Like that's not inherently great for you. It doesn't inherently progress your fitness. And that shouldn't necessarily be the goal. So one of the things sometimes we have to do is, is break people of that habit where they think that like, you know, basically the, the worse you feel at the end of a workout, like somehow the cooler you are, the more you got out of it, which isn't really true. So obviously what we're looking for is the idea, and we didn't invent this, this, method, this is definitely taken from OPEX, but the idea that you could say to a client after they've done five or six rounds of a given set of aerobic capacity intervals, you could be like, all right, you're going to do six more. And they just look at you and say, okay, sounds good. And that they're able to do that and they're able to hold their pacing. If they can't do that, if they can't hold their pacing, then they're not, they're not getting the intended stimulus. So from our perspective, you need to have rest aligned with work. And oftentimes that's one-to-one with shorter intervals or maybe a little bit uh, you know, it's maybe two to one or, or three to one work to rest with longer intervals because they're inherently a little bit slower. And we'll kind of get into that in a second. Um, but obviously our, our goal as programmers is to have rest, give you enough time to recharge, but have your pacing in the actual intervals be appropriate for what the goal is. And so teaching someone pacing is a really important thing that we have to kind of go through together. Um, and again, this is different from kind of what we would see in a group setting where there's, that's just it's frankly not super possible. Um, you can talk about it broadly to people, uh, but you can't go up to a person and be like, listen, I know you have a tendency to wreck yourself. I want to go at seven. I want you to go at 70% pace. And they may or may not have a sense of what you mean, or they may just have two gears, which is basically like sitting and as hard as they can and trying to race people in something that's not even a race. I think that that is something that anyone that potentially is listening to this, if you don't do individual design and you are in a class model, um, but some of the things that we've talked about are important to you. So whether that be aesthetic goals, weight loss, like increasing your aerobic capacity, like these are things that you should be thinking about in your training. And then if it is something where it's five rounds for time or six rounds for time, like, realizing that your first round should not be 45 seconds and by round five or six you're at two minutes like that's not the point of it it's not like can i be the first round winner yay and then like 
you're done. You're dead. You can't do anything else. It is about being consistent and not like sandbagging at the front so that like round one is a minute 15 and then your last one is 30 seconds. Like that would be, again, the complete opposite of the purpose. Um, but so just thinking about your training in whatever capacity that looks like for you. I think, unfortunately, that's part of the broken culture of like the mixed modal functional fitness group model is that it's so heavily focused inherently on competition, even even uh, gyms that say that that's not important. It is very, very difficult for people, especially people with a longer background in it, to separate the race element from the training element. So people are trying to go as fast as they can because they want to finish quickly, or maybe in some cases just don't want to be the last one to finish. And they're paying zero attention to their round interval times. Whereas if they were much more thoughtful about it, they could just simply focus on having sustainable round times throughout that work and end up getting a significant amount more out of it. If they could separate themselves from like being the third versus the sixth one to finish or, you know, childish nonsense like that. So, Ryan, why don't you tell us a little bit about, and we'll kind of wrap it up with this, what the progression in aerobic capacity looks like. So if we would go start from MAP 10 to MAP 1, and obviously let's explain to people what in the world MAP is and how you sort of judge that. Um, yeah, so MAP stands for Maximal Aerobic Power. Um, so it's essentially, it's a stolen from OPEX, but OPEX kind of stole it from other I mean, it's not, it's not a new thing. The idea isn't new, but um, MAP 10 is very slow intervals. And then you go all the way down to MAP 1, which is faster. Um, so the idea being with your aerobic training, if you're going to progress in the same way that we progress um, with resistance training or anything else, you start very slow. So kind of more of an endurance state, and then you progress to power state. So um, maybe opposite to what some people think of like kind of going like short intervals to longer to improve, you go from very long to shorter. Um, so map 10 is a 60 minute interval or pace that is like a 60 minute interval. So in that case, um, you would be one of, want to be going at a pace that you could sustain in theory for four hours or more. Um, so obviously that's a pretty long time. The idea being that you shouldn't, you can, you can do it forever. So like a good, you know, it could be walking, it could be, you know, biking very slowly, something like that. Um, and then as you go down, map one would be a 30 second interval. So that would be a two minute, uh, like pace. So something you could sustain for two minutes. So something maybe like an 800 or a 400 or 600 meter run or something like that. So all the intervals in between you would get progressively shorter intervals and your pace would increase as you went. So map nine would be shorter interval, but faster pace. Same with eight, seven, six, five, four, all the way down to one. And then each block in theory, you would spend about eight weeks in. So you would spend eight weeks doing map 10. You'd then progress to map nine, spend eight weeks there, and then go all the way down. And by the end, you would in theory have a very robust aerobic system. Yeah, that's, I think that's a great way to conceptualize all that. I think the easier way to think about it is just go from slow to fast. But regardless, uh, as you develop those gears, you think about having basically 10 different gears that you can go into at will is that you can repeat them all. 
So if we look at map one, it's, it's 30 on, 30 off, basically. But you could do 30 on, 30 off, fast, hard, um, infinitely. And so this is extremely difficult. And the people who are the best at this are some of the most like aerobic people in the world and tend to be some of the best athletes is because it's just so difficult. Um, but they can recharge the batteries, batteries so quickly that they actually can do that sustainably, effectively, infinitely. And so I think that's the idea. We're training for aerobic capacity. We want to think about you could do these rounds at whatever pace you're doing effectively perpetually so when it starts to fall off from the coaching perspective is where we want to call it and we want to actually stop you um, and one of the things that i put in people's notes a lot is each round should be very similar and give them examples and if they can't hit that then either something's wrong with the design from my perspective like i didn't do something right or didn't explain it the same way or we just need to have another conversation about pacing uh, but it just, obviously that's, that's contingent on the person. So we have about a minute left, final thoughts, programming for aerobic capacity, ready, set, go. Uh, I would really just say <clears throat> more so uh, to do for our clients is, is to think about this. So if you do have aerobic capacity training, uh, are these things that we touched on today, things that you think about when you attack your aerobic piece? Uh, and if not, then I challenge you to start thinking about them uh, and make adjustments as needed to your training. Yeah, I think going off of that, just get off your machine, do your interval, take a sip of water, enjoy the rest of your day. That's all it's supposed to be about. Feel good. Yeah. And I think Amanda brought up an excellent point earlier that even if you're not engaging with uh, something like individual design right now, and you're working out in a group setting, these are things you should be thinking about. And these are things that your coaches should be telling you um, that we want to be thoughtful about this stuff, that it's not about roasting yourself um, and quote unquote, surviving it. So that's it for today. Have a wonderful rest of the day. We'll see you next week.